You're listening to episode 161 of the Juicebox Podcast. If this episode is not the best part of your day, I'm going to give you your money back. What do you think of that? A money back guarantee on a free podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Dexcom, makers of the G5 Continuous Glucose Monitor and soon to be the G6, coming very, very soon. The episode is also sponsored by the tubeless insulin pump that Arden uses, Omnipod. You go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to find out more or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Today's episode is really very different. Justin is the husband of Mandy. Mandy has type 1 diabetes. Justin doesn't. But Justin helps with Mandy's type 1. He's sort of like a caregiver, but not for a child. It's very interesting. If you're the parent of a kid with type 1, I think you're going to love the similarities and the lessons that Justin's been taking. If you're an adult who lives with type 1, it might be really interesting for you to hear about what it's like for someone who doesn't have type 1 to be this involved. Listen, I like all the episodes. That's why I put them on. But this one's got a really sort of different perspective, and I think you're going to quite enjoy it. Please don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before being bold with insulin. My name is Justin Robbins. Um, I am married to a type 1 diabetic. We are both uh, in our early 30s. Uh, she was diagnosed when she was 14 years old. April 2000, and uh, this is this is kind of our uh, our story. So you reached out because I think you have a unique perspective, right? You're a you're an adult who doesn't have type one. Do you have any kind of? Do you have type two? Do you have any diabetes at all in your life? No, I have uh, I have no diabetes and uh, no no history of it in my family either. Okay, so you marry a girl who already had you know she has type one to begin with, right? So correct. Yes. When you started dating, how far into dating? Where are you? Did she tell you on the first date? Uh, it was actually when we when we first met. Um, we uh, we we met at a uh, a kind of a dance place, and um, she had uh, she had tubing uh, hanging out. She was already on a pump at that point, right? And uh, um, we you know conversation started, and I, I I just kind of I don't know if it was rude or not, but I said you know hey hey what uh, what's this? Said, oh, that's my my insulin tubing, and I said, oh, okay. And uh, then then we went out on our first date, and um, she told me all about uh, you know being a, a diabetic and and basically you know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> and uh, I, I it never it never even occurred to me that that was a, a negative thing. Right, right. She's always been very positive about it. So, so I, I imagine. Uh, the, at first, you, if you, I wonder if you thought like, "There's that tubing. I wonder if it's going to like a. I wonder if she has a drink with her somewhere, and she's just like those hats at the football games with the beers at the top, right, and the straws well, that come down." Well, to be completely honest, I kind of, I, you know, I, I didn't have a whole lot of medical knowledge. I thought it was a feeding tube. Oh, okay. Even so, is that what you thought before you asked her, or is that what you yeah. thought even? Okay, and yeah, when I first saw it, that's what I thought. Interesting, huh? I don't know what I would think. It, it, I, I wish. I mean, I don't. 
it doesn't matter. But I do wonder if I was completely just disconnected from this completely and I saw that, like what would be the first thing? Because you always hear people say, oh, someone came up to me and asked what that was. And some people are put off by that idea and some people don't care. And I think we all need to sort of understand that there's no way that somebody outside of this world would have any idea what that is. Right. You, you, and I think it's always kind of in the context of how it's asked to, uh, she never minds uh, filling people in on, on uh, her, her uh, Dexcom or her, you know, her pump or anything right. like that. But sometimes when she doesn't mind if you come up and ask or anything like that. Now, sometimes people will grab it or touch it, and that's kind of fascinating. That's a little bit of a put off. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's fascinating to think that anyone would come up and touch you in any specific way like that. Are we saying her name? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Her name is Mandy. Mandy. Okay. All right. So Justin and Mandy meet, date, fall in love, get married, and now. You've described yourself as Mandy's, like, kind of primary caregiver. Like, so I, I didn't ask you in any kind of notes because I don't like to know too much before we're talking, but I'm interested in that. Like, so you're pretty involved in her kind of moment-to-moment diabetes life? Absolutely. Um, actually, we just had our uh, endo appointment yesterday, um, and I, I try to be as involved as I possibly can. Uh, Mandy is a uh, – she is an RN. Um, she uh, she's actually uh, specialized in pediatrics, and so she but she works nights, mm-hmm. and during the day, um, it's kind of my job while she's sleeping, monitor her glucose levels and make sure that she's um, where she needs to be, so that way she gets the right amount of sleep and isn't interrupted by it all the time. Um, I help her change all of her sites. I um, you know, try to monitor what she's eating and remind her to pre-bolus and, and, uh, and, and we both listen to the, the juice box podcast. Is this something that, how did that happen? Right. Did, I mean, like when you guys meet the first time you really feel like you have connection with her, with her diabetes and you're involved in it, does she ask you, do you offer, does it happen naturally? Does she say, Hey, I'm struggling with this. I need help. Do you just, I mean, what's the, there's gotta be a pathway into that. Like somebody, you didn't just look at her one day and say, Hey, I could handle a lot of this for you. So, so like some, you know what I mean? So how did it start? No, it, it was actually while we were dating, um, um, a while into after dating, we, uh, we decided to move in with each other. Um, you know, it became on a, on a day-to-day basis. It was something she was going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I knew how involved she was with it. Although not always taking the best care of herself, she was always very involved in it with others. Like she, uh, uh, even when we first started dating, every summer she always dedicated time to go to a uh, diabetes camp that she had went to when she was a kid that helped her out a lot. And I knew how involved she was, and I knew that uh, it was it would be important that if I was going to continue on with this girl, that uh, I become involved too. Uh, it was. <clears throat> it was almost kind of a, uh, you know, saddening one time when I uh, I had went with her to one of the diabetes camps, and they were actually uh, they had lost a uh, previous camper that was my wife's age, like the year before, to a diabetes related death at, at the and, at the camp. Well, they, they didn't die at the camp, but um, a they, person they you met, knew through there. Okay. 
yeah, they had met every year, and then that the following year when I went with my wife, that person just wasn't there. Yeah, did that scare you or her more? Do you think? Um, me, I think. Because yeah. you know, I care a lot about her, and I I just could not imagine that happening to her. And I kind of decided at that moment that it never would. That I would I would see to it that you know she, her stuff was managed, and that that was never going to happen. So Mandy's probably. I'm, I'm guessing a caregiver at heart because she's a nurse. That's, that'd be a tough job to do if you didn't have that feeling. And you did yeah, describe her as absolutely. taking better care of other people than herself, which I think happens to a lot of, of people who feel that way. My question is, were you a caregiver at heart before you met Mandy, before you had an experience where someone passed away, or is it something that just got better no. for you, or did it transform you at that moment? No, it definitely transformed me. No, I, I can't say I was a caregiver. Yeah. Uh, I come from a, a, a family of uh, people in medical, but I, I was never myself. So, no, I never, I had, and since I've always been, you know, quote unquote, healthy, I guess, um, never, well, never had to at least deal with any kind of disease. You have a chronic illness going on here. Right. That I just wasn't, you know, it was very new to me, but, no, I, I knew at that moment that, um, I, I I wanted to help her out in any way I possibly could. Okay, and this is was this I'm sorry prior to your actual marriage or or after? Oh, this was this was prior. Prior is why you were yeah. dating. Okay. Um, well, I don't find that in any way uh, surprising. It does really hit you like that, or it hits some people like that. Now, the the part that I'm surprised by, or not, or interested in, I guess, is that I know a lot of people who are adults who have type one diabetes who don't let other people, even very close loved ones, into their management at all. And so did you have to talk her into it? Or do you think she was she was like, you know what, I could use the help? Or I, like, because that's the next start. Like when you start asserting yourself, what's the response from her? Um, she, she kind of took to it. I mean, uh, she had never had anyone be around that wanted to help her out with it. Um, she, she comes from a, a very, a very, uh, loving, but old fashioned family where, um, you know, she would, uh, when she was first diagnosed, first got onto a pump, uh, a year after being diagnosed or a couple of years after being diagnosed, she got into a pump, even if she were to like, try to need to take a shot or test. Um, and she was like at a restaurant with her family, she was kind of expected to, uh, uh, get up and go to the bathroom and test. And so it was one of those things that it was kind of, nobody had ever told her, you know, that they minded it, but nobody was really willing to be that helpful with her okay. either. Okay. So, and she's also in that mid teen area, right? She's like 14 ish. Like, right. There, right. And there's that moment where probably as a parent, you're like, well, they, she, you know, she's going to have to learn how to do it herself. And, and then there's that, you know, that underlying feeling. Sometimes you're like, I don't know what this is. So hopefully she can figure it out. But I, I hear right. your point moreover. And I do think it's an important one. Like psychologically being asked to leave, to take care of it, just leave anywhere to go somewhere else, especially the mm -hmm. bathroom for some reason, it really strikes me as insulting. I don't know. I don't right. hundred percent know why, but but being asked to leave psychologically could say to you, no one wants to see this. Right. And no one comes with me, so no one wants to help with this. Exactly. And even if that's not the case, you could feel that way. 
I mean, right. by pretty easily, I think. Oh, okay. Do you think Do you think Mandy wanted to be a nurse before she was diagnosed? No, um, she will. She will accredit being a nurse to when she was diagnosed yeah. at a children's hospital. That um, she, uh, the, the nurse that actually took care of her and guided her, through a very scary process. Sure. And and everyone that came in and talked to her, other than that nurse, was just scaring her, mm-hmm. saying, "You'll have this your whole life. Eventually, this will kill you." You know. Um, <laughs> if you're wondering these, how just, you're going out, it's going to be this. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just all these awful things. And finally had a nurse that came in and had a little bit of sense to her and said, no, you know, no, this is, yes, this is something you will deal with your whole life, but it can be managed, you know, um, through insulin, you can still live a, a perfectly normal life. Um, it's just something you're, you're just going to have to deal with, oh. you know? I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine being disconnected a little bit from my family as far as the management goes day to day, and having a nurse tell me on my diagnosis, you know, in the days of my diagnosis, that this is going to kill you at some point. Right. Um, exactly. I would have been like, well, you don't know. I might get hit by a car. Right. <laughs> That's hard to wrap your head around. And then, isn't it funny? Like, so that experience makes her think, well, I'd like to be a better influence on somebody when they have their moment, right? When, when, Oh, absolutely. Right. And then, and then I don't know if you'll ever balance the scales because what it seems like to me is that every person I meet with type one, who is a, uh, in the medical field who says that having diabetes moved them towards the medical field. It's always because somebody said something really stupid to them. And I just, I, I always imagine like we, we add one, but then the next time you add one, it's because you found another one. And they, I don't know if you can ever, tilt the tilt the scales the whole way and, and having said that there's a thousand you know good nurses probably for every bad one but um it, it just is it's i don't know it's a very strange idea that someone would even say that yeah um, absolutely y- you know i i i don't know i just it, it's like a lack of compassion that that um is hard to put into words because even if let's say this was true right like let's just go for a second and say she got you know manny got diabetes and what it meant was it was going to kill her one day Mm-hmm. Is that good to tell her on like day two? You, you, you know, like while she's trying to figure out the insulin and all those other things, it's it's an odd, it's an oddity that people want to scare you into doing something instead of giving you a chance to just understand it and do it yourself. Right. Yeah, exactly. That really sucks, actually. Um, okay. So now I'm, in, I'm. This is so okay because I've never met somebody who's managed somebody's diabetes, like. With, like because she's sleeping, right? So you're mm-hmm. actually taking care of it. So let's go through that for a second. I, I imagine if she's sleeping, you're taking care of it, and you did say she has a pump. Um, mm-hmm. are you, is she have a glucose monitor? Are you testing her while she's sleeping? No, she has a glucose monitor. Okay. So the one good thing about uh, us is we've always been kind of uh, with the, I guess, cutting edge. If it's She, she does her research um, all the time. She's all the time uh, telling people things before they hit the market. Always, whether parents help us pay for it, I'm, I'm more than happy to sit on the phone with and just argue with them all day long, um, <laughs> or, or get them whatever paperwork it is they say they require from day to day. Um, but whether it be that or pay for it out of pocket, we've we've always been good about keeping her in the the best pumps and the uh, sensors. We've we've been through just about every type of pump there is, right. um, literally. 
and uh, we've been through both types of sensors, but Dexcom just just works out best for us. That's the one that you landed on. How about the uh-huh. pump? Which what kind of pump does she like? She is on a T Slim. T Slim. Ooh, I like. I yeah, really, which people like the we fancy lo- screen. <laughs> we love the we love the T Slim. The only problem is um, we cannot find any endocrinologists that have the software that can hook up to it. Oh, hmm. so interesting. Yeah, it's. Uh, Apparently their uh, their vendor support is not great. Is not what you want. Yeah. It, uh, well, okay. Um, all right. So she's pumping and she's got a uh, Dexcom. And so she, now here, let's walk us through a moment. She comes home from work. She's disheveled. Has had a long evening at the working. Comes home. Do you guys hang for a little bit, or does she go like right to passing out? Like, what's her what's her like vibe like when she gets home from work? Well, actually, it'd be it'd be early morning when she got home. Right. I'm sorry. But. Uh, um, usually when she comes home, um, it's been several hours since she's, she's ate. So a lot of times either she'll have, uh, some sort of snack, uh, which we, I, I always beg and plead her, please don't let it be cereal. Cause <laughs> if it is my, my, my job throughout the morning and, and even early afternoon is going to be hell. Um, but, uh, really try to make her some kind of, some kind of fairly low carb, breakfast uh, we're, we're not low carb people but right before she's gonna lay down i don't want to load her up with pancakes and toast and syrup yeah um, and it's funny because it's the morning but really it's the evening for you so right what, what most people would think of is at 10 o'clock at night when i need a snack before i'm gonna go to bed or at eight o'clock after dinner something like that i if i start adding all this this conglomeration of carbs all it really does, even if you handle it really, really well, like Justin, even if you're just sort of like a ninja with your with your bolus there, then it's still you still have the opportunity for like a crazy low later or or a high that creeps up on you or something like that or just missing. Mm-hmm. And, and now she's sleeping, and you're wow, this is interesting. Uh, okay, so okay, so you you give her something to eat. You you allow her to eat something that won't mess up your night. <laughs> <laughs> or your day. And so, and so like, it's funny because I've had those thoughts where Arden's being like, you know, I'm going to get a snack. And you're like looking across the room, like you can hear the, you can hear your brain saying, no, not that. Please not that. <laughs> like, like, you know, exactly. never say yeah. anything. Cause you don't want to like, you know, you don't want to, you don't, I don't want to give her a weird feeling about food. And at the same time, like I can tell by what she grabs, what time I'm going to go to sleep. It's, right. it's, and so that's just fascinating. Okay. So there's, so you guys hang, whatever, she crashes, and then do you like do you just you stay around the house or do you? No, a- I I I work also, but um, a lot. Of, I don't work nearly as much as her. I only work part time, mm-hmm. and so um, I, I'm usually around a lot more. Okay. Um, and also, my job doesn't require me to to be there at some really early hour. Okay. So I, I work retail, okay. so I sometimes go in like mid afternoon. Um, so she's, she, I can usually tell by like the path on, mm-hmm. I mean, she, she can manage it herself. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't but, think we, I, I, I guess we should have said that it, Mandy's not like, I don't know what to do. She's, right. she, you just, you're just trying to lighten her load because her schedule's so strange and exactly. And, all and, that she, stuff. Right. and she works 12 hour shifts. So her quality of sleep, you know, needs to try to be somewhat decent. Cause it's not like me where, uh, you know, if I, I go into work and I'm a little tired. Maybe a printer doesn't get sold, but her, you know, <laughs> lives are on the line. Well, yeah, you know, and it occurs to me too. If she works at twelve, gets a bad night's sleep because of her blood sugar, she's still got to go back and work at twelve again. 
And right. that, now she's 36 hours, 24 of them are on her feet working, and maybe she didn't get quality sleep in between. That's and and that's a reality. You know, I mean everyone listening, yeah. everyone listening knows that your sleep can get messed up by diabetes and sometimes you can have like you can look as you're going into the evening and think this is going to be the night this is going to work and mm-hmm. then and then it doesn't and then sometimes it just does out of nowhere and you can't plan on it it's not like you can say i really have to sleep thursday so i'll get exactly. everything straight so that works you just do your best and if it works out it works out exactly so okay so in your note you said that you feel like listening to the podcast has helped her with with like some of her goals uh, oh, absolutely. Diabetes wise. So I'd like mm-hmm. to, I'd like to get you to tell me about before, before you find the podcast and, you know, and get to listen to people telling their stories and everything. What was an average of what was happening? Like spikes, okay. like meals, like how did it go usually? I want you to promise me right now, you're not going to wait any longer. You're not going to say to yourself, I'll do it next week or when it gets warm out or as soon as I get done this project at work, just do it right now. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Click on the link in your show notes. Go to juiceboxpodcast.com. Click on the link there. I don't care where you do it from. But today is the day you're going to find out more about the Dexcom G5 continuous glucose monitor. You're listening to people every week on this podcast talk about the success and the ease that they're living with due in a huge part to the information that they receive back from their continuous glucose monitor made by Dexcom. I'm looking at Arden's blood sugar right now. I just brought it up in front of me on my iPhone. It's 94. 94. And steady. It's not dropping. It's not rising. She's in a great situation. We're an hour away from her pre-bolus for her lunch. That pre-bolus is going to be beautiful because of the information I'm getting back from the Dexcom. She's not going to spike after she eats, and she's not going to get low later. She'll spend the rest of her day at school with a blood sugar right around here, and then she's going to get right on a bus and go play softball afterwards. That's the beauty of the Dexcom share. Even when I can't be with Arden, I can see her blood sugar. So say this bolus for lunch doesn't go exactly the way I expect, and her blood sugar starts to rise. We can address it. It starts to fall. We can address it. She may need more carbs or more insulin, but we're going to know right away because I'm going to be able to see her blood sugar and which way it's trending. And we can act quickly, make a decision, stay off that diabetes roller coaster. Try it today. Click on the link in your show notes or go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. I'd like to get you to tell me about before you find the podcast and, you know, and get to listen to people telling their stories and everything. What was an average of what was happening? So, so let me just start off by saying, um, I feel at this, now that I know what I know, um, I feel kind of ashamed that we allowed what ha- was happening to go on for so long. So uh, prior to listening to your podcast, um, we, and it was, I, I won't say it's of anybody's fault. We just kind of, I don't know, didn't quite understand the, the, the principles of it. So we've had the, the Dexcom for a while. Mm-hmm. And we had her parameters set just just ridiculously high. Okay. And it was for the reason of she didn't want to hear the beeps while she slept. Right. And also, until listening to your podcast, um, I always had a deathly fear of her being low. Mm-hmm. Like, everything I would read, all these articles, you know, 
all well, they went low during their sleep and just never woke up. And, you know, because bad news travels fast, they they always like, you always read those articles, but you don't read anything about like the nasty side effects of having high blood sugar all the time. Hard to talk about. Yeah, yeah, people people are not excited to talk about, about problems that can come up later. Right. Yeah. So we always erred on the side of just letting her be high um, because she can handle being high a lot better than she can handle being low. When she started, when she starts to get around um, low, you know, just even like the mid to low Mm eighties, like she'll say something to me. Right. Whereas she can ride a hundred or two fifty all day and never say a word. And that's, and that's awful. But we had her parameters set at where the it wouldn't even alarm at a high until like two forty. Okay. Um, and that was just for her sleeping. You know, like I knew she had to eat, so I knew she'd go up a little bit. And um, and and it even got to the point where, like, when before I would leave for work, if if she was like, you know, I I kind of had like a rule of thumb in my head that if she was one eighty or a little below, I'd just leave her. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't give her any insulin because I know that with her basal, she would, she would drop a little bit and I would be afraid to put her towards closer to, uh, you know, 120 because I didn't want her to dip low because she would immediately die. <laughs> and, and, that, and that was that's your feeling. kind of like the mindset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the blood sugar's going to hit 70 and then I'm going to be out looking for another dating situation. And- yeah. <laughs> Well, we we had a scary incident one time uh, after she had a a, a, a surgery, um, and she wasn't able to really eat very much, and she was very weak afterwards. Yeah. And um, I was that she had told me to go to work. I had already been <clears throat> monitoring her for several days, but then she her blood sugar got low. She didn't really feel it because of all the the drugs in her, mm-hmm. and then she just kind of she just kind of went down, and um, like my phone went off, uh, cause I get alerts about her from her Dexcom right, with the shit. and it had her at like 45 Right, and she wasn't picking up the phone and it just totally freaked me out. I jumped in my truck and left black marks all through the parking lot mm-hmm. as I got home, like at a, a chase scene from a movie. <laughs> and, and ever since then, like it just scared me. So I never, I never would be bold with insulin. Yeah. Uh, I would always let her be high, and so her A1Cs were reflecting that. It's funny too because the the fear is so, so real. Because what you're describing is a unique situation that doesn't exist in most of your days. She had had a surgery. She was medicated. You know, like, right. like all the stuffs. But you see this one forty five blood sugar that then causes you to, you know, for the rest of the year, accept like. 180 or 250 or something like that because right. I don't want to be 45 again. Um, right. It, it is. It's interesting. Well, I want to. I just want to stop you for a split second and go back and say I, I heard in your voice you know, when you said ashamed. You know, you said I feel ashamed. I, I know you know that you shouldn't be right. Like right. Yeah. You know, like you don't have the. If you didn't have the tools, how would you know? You, you, right. you know. And then they, you 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 lay the fear on top of it. Then you lay the reality that you know someone who's passed away on top of it, and you know, and it's someone you love, and it's hard to, it's hard to make that decision. Like I don't want to, I don't want to trade, you know, today for tomorrow. But 
I guess I'm going to. And right. and that that's that's not an easy decision to make. You, you know that the and mm-hmm. and at the same time it's the decision that a lot of people end up making. And mm-hmm. and the the thing that broke my heart and caused me to want to do this because when when you said, you know, she was at 180 and I wouldn't correct, like in my mind I think, wow, there's 100 points to take off there. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and even when I see my daughter at like that's why our high, our high threshold's at 130. And mm-hmm. as soon as Arden gets some more body mass, I'm going to move it to 120. You, you know, as soon as I and but when I see 130, I'm like, okay, insulin. It's mm-hmm. not a lot, you know what I mean? But it's it's right. going to be some. And then we take care of it, you know. Like later this morning is a good example. Like Arden gets up and she's just stuck at 140. I'm telling you, Justin stuck. <laughs> like like that. I, you know, I got up. I was like, okay, you know, give her some insulin doesn't move get her downstairs give her some insulin doesn't move send her to school she's 145 on the dexcom and i'm like you have to test i'm like something's wrong like i thought for sure i was pretty sure she was going to test and be way higher than that like the 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 cgm was off or something Mm because usually when you get that really steady number that you can't affect it's wrong right Mm -hmm. but but instead she tested and she was 141 i'm like oh this is really just a blood sugar that's stuck so we cranked up her basal rate for half an hour and now she's 102, but it's going to be a, it's 50 minutes until I have to pre-bolus for her lunch and another 20 minutes after that before she's eating. So I just texted her while you and I were talking like 10 minutes ago and we decreased her basal rate by 40% for an hour because now I'm hoping to catch it right where it's at right now at 102 and just let it sit there. I don't want it to get much lower so that I can pre-bolus the way I want to. Right. Um, but no one says that stuff to you when you when you're diagnosed. You know, my right. God, Mandy's being told, "Hey, you're gonna die." <clears throat> you know, so but but right. no one no one's telling you that. No one explains how the insulin works. No one understands. You know, I was I was watching someone online last night speak about you know a, this poor kid's graph is just all over the place, and I reached out and I said, "Look, you don't know me, but if you call me, we can fix this in ten minutes." And I genuinely mean that, like. 10 mm-hmm. minutes of talking and we could fix this. And I just, I don't know why. I mean, everybody's not my problem. You know what I mean? Like, but it just, this one got me. It just really kind of broke my heart. And it's, it's just, it's crazy to think that this person's having this stress and this anxiety and this, and this shame that you're talking about and all these other terrible things because someone didn't sit with them for 10 minutes and explain Hey, this is a tug of war between the insulin and the carbs, and you're just trying to keep either side from winning. And here's how that works, and here's how you do that. And, mm-hmm. and you know, just it's such a it's, it's it, it, I get angry about it that right that that that's not the advice you get coming out the door that everybody gets, you know. Mm-hmm. But so so I mean, talk about that a little bit. So what are you doing? Like she's eating, and you're probably not using enough insulin at first then she's spiking but it's high and it's not so high that you're like oh, okay so you sort of leave it is that was that sort of the the day yeah i mean went? basically if she was if she was under 200 i'd, I'd leave alone because i kind of went by not by what she should be at but how she felt and i knew that if she was under 200 that she would feel fine and and so i just kind of you know accepted that and um and, and and everything would be relatively fine, except um, when we would have our uh, endo appointment. And I would go with her, and you know we'd get the you know shame shame. And, and by, by the way, we recently got a new endo because uh, 
uh, our previous one, every time we would go in, they would just constantly uh, mess with things. Like we, we had an endocrinologist who you would see the endo uh, themselves about once a year. And then the rest of the time you would see a nurse practitioner. Right. And they didn't agree with each other <laughs> and they didn't, and they didn't communicate with each other either. So when we would see one, they would put all these weird settings in her pump and then when she would see the other, they would say, oh, no, that's all wrong, and mm-hmm. change it all back. Yeah. The try this, try and, that, try this. Nobody, right. knows, nobody knows why or what they're doing. Or, no. They're just, no it's, it's all just well, well-intended bad advice. Right. Yeah. One, no, no. One, of the tr- one of the truest things I, I ever uh, – that really grabbed me from your podcast was uh, um, by living with diabetes, you know more about diabetes – than anyone you will meet um, trying to help you with it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it doesn't then, have it. And then there's that know? frustration. So you go in, you know what's going wrong. You don't have the tools to fix it. The person who right. probably has the tools to fix it doesn't know what's going wrong. And right. so they do the wrong thing and you sit there frustrated. But there's this, there's this impediment to stopping it. Like, like that process goes on and it's, everyone's guilty of it at some point, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you, somebody says something to you and you think that's not right, but you know what? They're in a position of power and I got to go home and do the laundry. So they said it's right. okay. Then it's okay. It doesn't make it okay. You, right. you know what I mean? People tell you things all day long that they might be wrong about. And, and sometimes you're not in the position to know the difference and sometimes you are, but in this very specific situation, you're in the position to know but a lot of people don't feel in the position to act. Mm-hmm. And and that's something I used to talk about a lot more, that idea that people are, you're raised not to question doctors and police officers and teachers. There's certain pe- people in positions of power that you just assume know more about these things than you do. Or, yeah. you know, or have this power over you that you can't break free of. But that's not true, except for the police thing. Police says raise your hands. Justin, I always <laughs> want you to put your hands up. <laughs> but other than that, um, you know, it just... It, and that's the tough part. You hear people talking about it on here all the time. I knew it was wrong. I couldn't speak up. And right. and I'm hoping that everyone listening to this, when they know something's wrong, speaks up. It doesn't mean you have to get into an argument or a fight. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable. You just have to say, listen, my blood sugar is 200. And I hear you telling me that's okay, but it's not okay. Because here's here you are sitting across from me. You don't have diabetes. Your blood sugar is probably 80, you know, or right. 90 or something like that right now as you're sitting here. So you're going to really tell me that mine being double plus what what the normal average is, that that's okay for me? And in the end, and I know I say it a lot, but that's don't die today advice. That's not live healthy advice. Right. You, you know, you want to live as long and as well as you can, not just today. You, you know, that's, I, it breaks my heart. So in the last ad, when I spoke about Dexcom, I told you Arden's blood sugar was 94 and steady. Now it's about 10 minutes later, I'm still editing the podcast, and her blood sugar is 90. Still very steady. But it occurred to me, you don't know how I got to that. Well, I woke up this morning, and Arden's blood sugar was 130 around 6 a.m. So I gave her a small bolus, and I adjusted her basal. I did, I think, a 20% temp basal increase and a small bolus, which got her blood sugar down to about 110 as she was leaving for school. A few moments after Arden arrived at school, her blood sugar started to drift up, 
we did another temp basal increase and another small bump of insulin. That was handled through a text message where Arden then on her end just pushed a couple of buttons on her Omnipod PDM and it was taken care of. Now we're talking about two increases of basal insulin and two small boluses. Now if you were on injections, first of all, you're not in control of your basal insulin. And secondly, you probably wouldn't give two small injections in the course of an hour and a half to make this small bump. You might've looked at that 130 blood sugar and you might've said, eh, it'll be okay. Then maybe you get to school and that blood sugar goes from 130 to 140 and you still say, eh, not worth injecting. But right now, Arden's blood sugar is 90. That's 50 points better than 140, just with a little bumping and nudging of insulin. And this is all done with a tubeless insulin pump. So it's as discreet as Arden wants it to be. If she doesn't want anybody to know she's wearing an insulin pump, she doesn't have to let them know. There's no tubing, there's no cable, she's not attached to something, she's not wearing something around her waist. It is magical. Now I want you to consider getting a free, no obligation demo of the Omnipod. They'll actually send you out a pod that you can take a look at and actually wear. All you have to do is click on the link in your show notes or go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice And that's the tough part. You hear people talking about it on here all the time. I knew it was wrong. I couldn't speak up. With the appointments, you know, we would go in and they would, they would tell us this, this, magical number this uh this a1c number yeah and they would say well that's not good <laughs> and i'd say oh okay well how can we make it better we well, need to manage better <laughs> um great non-advice so advice <laughs> right so uh how would i how do i manage better and and also what does this number consist of right. well it's it's the scale yeah yeah i, I got that um so how do I help uh, decrease it? Because you say this higher number, which, um, which by the way, it was it was eight point two, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> which so is we, we, <laughs> it's that's one of those A one Cs, by the way. And, and, and please, no one get offended, but that's one of those A one Cs that you hear that we've been talked into believing that one's fine. Like right. eight's not a problem. And listen, when you're first diagnosed, eight's not a problem. But at right. some point, you have to, you know. I mean, have to. You should try to figure out how to how to. And the A, I, I hope this is clear to everyone listening. A one C is not the end all, be all of everything. It's just a it's a right. measurement. But it, you know, forget A one C for a second. Talk about your average blood sugar. If your average blood sugar is ninety most of the time, who cares what your A one C is? As long as you don't have crazy lows um, that are persistent or 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 that are frequent. Um, and you're not banging up and down, that roller coaster is bad for you. It's hard on your system to go from 80 to 300 and sit there for two hours, then go back 200 and sit there for an hour, and then go back to 80, then 40, right. and then back. That is hard on you. you. You know, the best thing that you, if you had an 8 A1C, but your blood sugar was always 140 or whatever mm-hmm. it equates to, and I'm sorry to all the people in Canada who are frantically i got a, a somebody sent me an email last night i love the i love the podcast i'm from canada but i'm always watch. i listen with a calculator because i never know what the numbers mean <laughs> that's hilarious i'm sorry uh but 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 you know if you're nice and steady and you have an eight believe it or not that's much healthier for you than banging up and down and having an eight right and, which is exactly right. what our new endo was telling us that right. you know um making sure that you're you're steady all the time he, he said you know i'm not going to put as much emphasis on this number because you know you could sit low all the time and achieve a low number and that's that's not not at all what i want i, I, I said, 
I'm also afraid that a lot of endos think that if you have a really great A1C, it's because you're low. And mm-hmm. it's not because you figured out how to keep your blood sugar at 90. But, right. but what I always maintain and what you're probably learning now is, and it's not a bad idea, if you can find a way to stay steady at 150, mm-hmm. then you just take everything that you learned and just, God, I know this sounds so overly simplified for people who are struggling with it, but you just take what all you've learned and you just move it down to 90. And right. that's not hard to do. It's just, it's the idea of you don't let the spike happen. If you don't let the spike happen, then you never get to 150. 150 in my house is, Jesus, we've messed up. Right. And and in a lot of people's homes, 150 to them is like, woo, this is working. <laughs> you, you, right. you know? And, exactly. and so, because people say, oh, well, when I keep it at 100, I get low later. But we don't mm-hmm. because our insulin's timed out better. And that's the real goal, Justin, is is that the timing is I find myself walking around my house thinking of different ways to say things on the podcast sometimes. Happened mm-hmm. to me happened to me last night, but I still think that one of the best ways to think about it is it's a tug of war. Uh, there's a flag in the middle of the rope, the carbs are on one side, the insulin's on the other side. You can't let someone pull first. If they pull first, they're going to have an unfair advantage for the rest of the fight. You need both to pull at the same time. You need them to both stop pulling at the same time. And then the rope right. never moves. It's all about the timing and the amount of the insulin. It's 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 understanding how the insulin works and not being scared to use it when you need to use it, mm-hmm. you know, is, is pretty much the entirety of the thing, right. you know? And, of course, not part of the advertising, but... Uh, the Dexcom, the CGM makes that much easier. You know, there's yeah. there's, there's no oh, doubt about that. Oh, the CGM is the is by far my favorite thing we've we've ever purchased for diabetes. I mean, it, it's just it's been such a, a life changer. But um, real quick, back to the the A1C, um, and this and this was actually before we even uh, started going to this new Indo. So I, I'm not going to give them any of the credit for it. We we started we found your podcast. Uh, started listening to it, um, and and it just it just helped make things click. With you know, stop worrying so much about uh, you know going low. You know, you could always just eat something real quick and bring it right back up. Uh, be you know more a little bit more bold with insulin, and also just like very impressive. You know, your your thresholds with what you consider high. So we started knocking her her Dexcom down. Um, you know, we started going down like every every week. We would go down ten more points to what what was high. I, I told cool. you originally it was like two twenty. Yeah. Um, I think we're down to currently like one seventy, nice. and and we're going to continue to keep going down and down and down. And started making her live within these. You know, because I, I I just knew that if I if I could make her sit at one eighty all day, I could make her sit at one one fifty all day. Mm-hmm. If I can make her sit at 150 all day, I can make her sit at 130 all day, and and so on and so forth. Yep. And on the this last appointment we just went to, um, we went from an 8.2 to a 7.3. That's a wonderful decrease. Congratulations! Very, very, very exciting. Oh. That's amazing. Yep. I loved hearing you talk about it just then. I don't <laughs> let all you people make a podcast, and I can stop doing this because that's spectacular. Really, congratulations. First of all, tell me. In your eye, in your mind, the difference between a steady blood sugar at 180 and a steady blood sugar at 120 is what is the difference? Is there a difference? There is no difference. Right. It's, it's your just, fear, right? right? Right. It's it's letting go of 
of that stigma that this this insulin will kill you, mm-hmm. you know, because that's that's what I was told right at the beginning. You know, if you give her too much of this, you'll kill her. Right. Oh boy. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and by the way, not not true. Just <laughs> not a good way to live your whole life. <laughs> you, right. You can't you can't have this thing that is pretty much the only thing keeping you alive, and then have somebody tell you to be really scared of it all the time. Right. You have exactly. to find a, there's a balance, you know, there's a, just a happy understanding. It, it really is. <clears throat> it really is the, you know, you have to respect fire, but you can't fear it. Like it really, right. it really is that idea is, you know, you need this thing. It has to work. You have exactly. to make this work and just using enough. So you don't end up in DKA every day. Mm-hmm. That's not okay for your health. Now, no. if, if you're overwhelmed by this fear, and you can't break out of it, you are probably going to have long-term complications. And mm-hmm. the higher your blood sugar stays, the more consistently it stays at high, the sooner those complications are going to arise if they're going to arise. Right. You, you don't want to be the person, in my opinion. Like I'll, I'll tell you a story that uh, <clears throat> my dad, my dad um, I'm adopted, so my, my, my adopted father, but I've never thought of him as anything but my dad. Um, even though he left my mom when I was 13 and I really didn't grow up with him, I still think of him as my dad when I'm thinking back on him. Right. So he grew up on a farm. Um, he said that they started smoking just stuff they found in the field. And I don't mean like, you know, weed. I just mean like cattails. They'd wrap them up in smoke. They were looking to smoke mm-hmm. something. My father was, you know, he, he would be in his eighties now if he was, if he was still alive. And so he started smoking stuff right away. And then he started mm-hmm. smoking. And for smokers or people who had smoked in the past, I'm telling you, my dad smoked Chesterfield Kings unfiltered. Like, you know, and if he couldn't find a wow. Chesterfield King, yeah. he smoked a Pall Mall unfiltered. My dad was smoking the tobacco that fell on the floor at the cigarette factory. Like, this was some <laughs> strong, crazy cigarettes. And that's back when nobody was regulating a darn thing. And uh-huh. so he smoked and smoked and smoked and smoked. And my dad smoked two and three packs of cigarettes a day. And so he'd light one with the other one. My dad would smoke coming out of the shower. I'm going to die one day from the smoking my dad did. It's probably lucky he left my mom. It might have saved my life. And so I'm talking about a lot of smoke, okay? Mm -hmm. Never had any health issues from it. Never. In his 30s, in his 40s, in his 50s. Never, ever, ever. And then one day my dad says, you know, he's got congestive heart failure. Mm-hmm. Well, that's from the smoking, <laughs> you know, but if right. you would have talked to my dad up until the day someone told him he had congestive heart failure, he would have told you he was the lucky one. He was the special guy who smoking didn't affect because that's what he thought. That was the, that was what the beauty of being human allowed my dad to think about cigarettes. It's not going to be me. I'm not the one I'm better, stronger, faster, different. You know, we all think we're different. We're not all really that different. You, you know, so you can't sit here with diabetes today at 25 and say to yourself, well, I'm just going to leave my blood sugar at 200 all the time because it's safe and I won't die today because this stuff will, it, it's just scientifically, it's going to catch up to you at some point. Right. And, 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 and not only that, forget that the, the scary stuff you're altered when your blood sugar is not in range, you, you know, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you know, shorter tempered maybe, or you know, easily confused or like there's a bazillion things they could do. And I know you could say, well, that happens when I'm low too, but you can fix a low quickly. You can't fix yeah. a high quickly. You, uh, you know? Oh, that's, I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah. I can, <laughs> it's, 
it's funny and uh she'll she'll chuckle when she hears this but uh i can i can tell a huge difference in her uh her irritability <laughs> with uh now that she's not as high all the time mm-hmm. um you know i don't i don't upset her as easily or she doesn't <laughs> she doesn't get aggravated by such such small little consequential things right uh, when she's not high all the time and i i can't you know there's there's no way that those two things weren't correlating cuz you know, sometimes you just be mad that the, the the batteries were were old in the remote. You know. <laughs> well, Mandy, let me just say, if you're listening, I don't agree with Justin at all. I think you're perfect. <laughs> this guy's obviously a problem, and so uh, no, I do know exactly what you mean. It's mm-hmm. it, and it's not your fault. Like if if your blood right. sugar is 200 and you're snippy, it's not your fault. You're this is not the. You know, it's just like if you think back to old cars and you, if you make your carburetor too rich, the motor's not supposed to run with that much gas coming through. And so exactly. it, it chugs and it chops and because and it coughs because it's not balanced right. And mm-hmm. just because your body gets accustomed to it and you don't feel that you're high anymore, it doesn't mean that the bad parts of being high aren't still happening internally. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that enough people even understand that. Right. You, you know, like it's... And then when you stop and really look at what I was able to figure out and what now you've been able to figure out and other people too, I got some great notes this morning from people that are, are really fantastic. But if you can keep your blood sugar steady anywhere, you can keep it steady anywhere. And, and, that it, and then you get into that very childish thing that I really genuinely believe with diabetes is that you sort of get what you expect. Right. You, you know, if you try, if you expect 100, I think you can get 100. If you, once right. you understand the balancing of the timing of the insulin, you can get a hundred without being low later. Mm-hmm. Once you've already, uh, you know, once you've realized you might get low once this week, and you just say to yourself, "I'll take care of it," right? Everything gets better. Exactly. You know, so it's uh, it's kind of funny you bring up the whole uh, car carburetor thing because that's actually what I what I do as a hobby is rebuild old cars. Oh, okay. And uh, so that uh, one of, we were talking earlier about uh, what got you interested in her diabetes. Um, she used to have a, uh, an old animus pump mm-hmm. that she had to unscrew the top and pull out the, the, uh, the cartridge and reload the cartridge. And after I watched her do it, I thought I could do this better. Yeah. And it got to the point where I could actually change her sight on her, reload the animus. And I mean, like, it was like, from a movie with a gun scene, you know, where like he can disassemble it and reassemble it blindfolded. Right, right. And and it was my involvement with that pump that um, I think really kind of showed her that wow, this 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 guy's really, you know, he's really he's really into this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, and since he can't seem to keep batteries in the remote correctly, we're gonna have to let him do something. So, right, uh, exactly. So, do pretty you much. Th- so you're pretty you're pretty much into this right now. This process of moving her A1C down and getting more, getting bolder and things like that. Absolutely. Uh, um, yeah. Do you see? Is it possible that once the up and down stops, this is going to be interesting for you, Justin? That once the the you know you're, you stop chasing blood sugars, and she's mm-hmm. stable more frequently, mm-hmm. it's going to require less of your intervention, right? Will you lose a little bit of who you are? Do you think, or do you think you are? Do you, are there things in your mind that you think Justin would like to get back to some of this stuff that he doesn't do anymore because of this? Because I feel like I can't wait to not be as involved. You know what I mean, but I, I'm yeah. wondering how you feel. I mean, um, yeah, I, 
no, I've I've always kind of been able, I've always been independent and did my own thing regardless. <laughs> but she's always been my number one priority. Yeah. And even when I go to work, if I see like her blood sugar kind of creeping up, you know, um, I I always wish there was a way I could like bolus her from my phone without her even knowing. <laughs> uh, I have those thoughts, Justin. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, but like I'll, I'll, I hate to call her and wake her up. But if I see her blood sugar creeping up, I will call her and wake her up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it would be it would be nice to not be as um, I mean as much of a as a godsend as the, the the Dexcom is. It would be nice to not look, try to look down at my phone every fifteen seconds. I probably look like a a teenage girl um, <laughs> at, at work where I'm just like. Checking my phone, like mid conversation, I will, I will like look at my phone. People are like really, like I'm not checking for text messages, you know. Like, <laughs> well, th- d- this is important. I believe that'll go away for you as as things get better, because mm-hmm. I say it on here all the time. I 100 percent don't believe that people leave me. I never look at my phone. I am <laughs> if uh, I if if I'm not being told that Arden's blood sugar is outside of a 70 and 130 range, mm-hmm. I, I don't look. I when she's at school. I'll look maybe about 45 minutes before she's supposed to eat to see if I have to do any like little bump around with food or insulin to get ready for the pre-balls. But mm-hmm. other than that, I never, ever, ever look at the CGM. So, mm-hmm. And I think that co- that will come eventually because you'll just trust it. You'll just trust that if it's in this range, it, it's not the CGM. Like Take the data aside, right? After you mm-hmm. go through these processes enough and enough and enough times, you will get what you expect and you will expect the right thing. It won't be guessing anymore. It'll be, I know where your blood sugar is. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just, I was, I think I was doing recording one of these the other day and I said to a person, so I, you know, as we got on, I'm like, I just did this and this and this. And by the time you and I get off, her blood sugar is going to be, and I picked a number and never Mm -hmm. looked at the CGM again. And when we got off the podcast, the person said, Oh, what's Arden's blood sugar? And I was off by two points, two, and I was moving a higher blood sugar down and I still knew where it was going to go. And that's not, I want to be completely careless, everybody listening. That's not me. I'm not special. I don't know something you don't know. I've just been through it enough times that I know if we take A, B, and C and put them together, it's going to equal 102 blood sugar. So mm-hmm. you'll get to that point where you'll just trust so completely that what's going to happen is going to happen that it won't even occur to you to check on it anymore. And then if it doesn't happen for some reason, something will beep and vibrate. And the next thing you know, you'll take care of it well before it's an issue. So, right. So, I mean, the technology is, I, I really want to say this, Justin, and please everyone listen for a second. I do take ads on the podcast um, for, 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 for technology that I am a hundred million percent sure works and that I'm a mm-hmm. hundred million percent sure is the key to how I hand, to make this stuff happen. I would be saying this if they didn't advertise on the podcast. Um, But technology is been the way that I figured out how to do this. And I'll, you'll hear from people say I inject and I have a six a one C and I'll be like, that's great. And that is really wonderful, but you do not have the empirical data from the last 30 days to see how you got to that six. Right. You'll never really know if your blood sugar was 60 overnight every night this week, Mm. You, you know, and, and, this technology allows this to be easier and it allows it to be more precise. And it, to me, mm-hmm. it allows it to be a much smaller part of your actual consciousness. So I right. think, I think you get to that. 
Well, well, and also, I mean, uh, before we were on a CGM, her uh, her A one Cs were were lower because they weren't getting as much data. You know, the only data they were getting was from uh, what they could download from her pump right. and what you know when she would test. So, you know, with that with that record, you know, they're only getting uh, you know however many times during the day versus you know every couple of minutes throughout the entire day absolutely listen i could arden's blood sugar is not always 92 do you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. but i could test her blood sugar every day at certain times and make her blood sugar readings look like her blood sugar is always at one spot i would know when to test to keep that number down and Mm -hmm. sometimes it's because of where people tell you to test the doctor's like you know test three hours after your meal um, which is to me insane. But if you're a person who three hours after your meal has a good blood sugar and you always test it like that, but your blood sugar went up to 300 for a while. Right. Well, that's not quality. And some people might say, well, but it ended up at 90, but, mm-hmm. but I'm telling you, there's a way to stay at 90 without ever going to 300. You just have to reallocate when and where the, and how much the insulin is. Exactly. And so, and, but it's, and it's not a hard concept once you, see it but it is hard to get over that idea of like well if, if i did this and she went to 300 but she came back to 90 then then what else would i do because if i used more insulin to stop the 300 then i'd go past 90 except it's not about more insulin it actually could be less insulin mm-hmm. it just has to be timed better it could be a pre-bolus it could be you know it could be an extended um, bolus it could be extra basal less basal at certain points it's mm-hmm. a, you know, and even that is not nearly as, and I, I'm going to ask you, is it as much work as you thought it was going to be when you heard me say it? No, no, it's, it's not. Right. It's more work to fight with the highs, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fighting a high is the, uh, is the worst. And, and, and also, I mean, uh, um, your, your talks on pre-boluses before meals have, have greatly, greatly helped out with that. Um, we, we always pre-bolus now. Oh, so. I'm, I'm touched. That, that's excellent. <laughs> I, and listen, uh, I just interviewed uh, a guy from Novo, Todd Hobbs, about the the new faster acting ins- insulin they have coming. I think they're calling it Fiasp or something like that, or Fiasp, but I'm not sure. But um, it, it's very possible that the, the need for as much of a pre or any pre at all, I'm going to try it when it comes, you know, when it's available in the U.S., we're going to get it, we're going to try it. Yeah. And um, and maybe that takes that away a little bit. Um Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But we're going to give it a shot. But in yeah. the meantime, it doesn't matter, really. Because right. faster actor, a fast-acting insulin that works faster than the insulin I have now, I'm still going to need to know how to time it, how to stretch it out, how to put it in the right places. Mm-hmm. And so it's not going to change anything other than maybe it'll the change timing. the timing of it. Yeah. Right. So, But if the timing of it means as I'm sitting down to eat, there's no doubt that thinking about pre-bolusing sucks. Like you don't, right. want, you don't want to do that, you know? So maybe mm-hmm. that'll take that away. Maybe it won't. We're going to find out, I guess. Um, Art and Zendo already said they'd write the script for it. So we're going to try it as soon as it's available. Justin, we are, as I promised, coming up on an hour. Oh, it good. flew by because you were fantastic. And um, I just want to make sure that we hit the, there's not something stuck in your head that you're like, I wanted to say this and I didn't say it. No, no. Um, we pretty much covered everything. I just, you know, I, I just anyone out there listening, um, and also I, I work with a, a couple of diabetics who I've turned on to your podcast. Uh, one guy the other day told me his A1C was ten, 
And I said, uh, here, I'm going to write this down for you because it's that important that you, you remember to listen to this and uh, go talk to a doctor. Well, <laughs> because, it's, it's good uh, of you. <laughs> you know, I, I, tough. Want you to, I, I want you to uh, experience the same things we have. But, you know, anyone listening, uh, just... It, it, it's it's great advice. I mean, we we've dropped uh, you know a, a, you know to seven point three from eight point two in a matter of three months. Um, just becoming more more bold with insulin. I mean, it's it really is that that simple. Just stop overthinking it so much. That's. That's pretty much it. It's interesting yeah. how simple the advice is. And of course, Justin, nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan. But at the same time, I appreciate what you're saying very much. And um, and I'm going to tell you right now, it is much simpler than it seems. And, and it's it, it's tough because when you're in the throes of it, nothing seems more difficult. You, you know. Right. But then you get the right tools, and then you realize it's not so bad. Right tool, right job. Right, right job, Absolutely. right tool. What's the, what's the saying? I forget. Right tool, right job. You, you can't uh, you can't wallpaper with a hammer. Right. So uh, <laughs> you know, once you've got the right stuff, then you're then you're onto it. It's it's it, it, it still sucks. It's still diabetes, but it's way easier. Um, and I appreciate you sharing it. Next time, don't write it down. Just take his phone and subscribe right to it. I, I appreciate it. Anyone, by the way, listening should just grab other people's phones and subscribe to the podcast with it. Um, I would greatly appreciate this. Justin, you were really delightful. And I, I have to say that um, what you're doing is something that I'm, I'm thinking a lot of parents of kids with type 1 right now are listening to. And, and you're mirroring their experience, but with an adult. Um, mm-hmm. And they know how much effort it is to... to love and care about somebody that that much and i also want to say to mandy that i think it's really kind of remarkable that she's able to be that free and open with her diabetes in a way that i don't think a lot of people could be you know and and, and it's leading to good things for her which is i i think a lesson inside of the inside of the story to be perfectly honest just uh one lastly about the openness we uh we actually both have uh, uh matching uh Blue uh, blue ribbon tattoos with a little blood drop on them for uh, cool. for diabetes. So that uh, always always grabs people's attention, and yeah. we always you know we're we're always very open to explaining how what a big part of it is for our life. And uh, you know she at, by being a nurse, she's a natural caregiver, so mm-hmm. she always wants to help others. Yeah, so she definitely she definitely wanted her her story shared as well. That's cool. Well, the advocacy part is so important just to to tell other people about it and by the way by the time this comes out it'll probably be long past but i'm gonna see uh samples of the bold with insulin t-shirts i'm having made so uh this week so they'll be out in a week or so i'm hoping maybe maybe two weeks i'll be able to start just getting them to people selling them and getting them to people but i couldn't believe i made this little like I don't made this little graphic and somebody was like, that'd make a great t-shirt. I was like, do you think so? And then like a hundred people were like, yes. And I was like, that sounds like I should make t-shirts. So, yeah. uh, so we're going to, we're going to do it and, um, we'll to figure out the logistics of it later, Justin, cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a mailing house, so I'm not hundred percent sure how to do all this, but I'm going to figure it out <laughs> and, uh, and get one to anybody who, who, who wants them. But I think you'll think they're pretty cool when you say them. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really do. One. I really do appreciate you being interested in coming on and, and, and taking out time and doing this and please, give Mandy a hug for me and say hi to her. Um, I will. I and I really your... appreciate you having me on as well. No, please. It, it, that's, that's what this is, man. I just, I just sent a note to somebody the other day who's like, the podcast did this for me and this for me. And we talked back and forth for a minute. And the last thing I said to him was, you know, one day 
you should come tell your story because your story will be that valuable to somebody else. And I think nobody believes that, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a hundred percent true. It's you guys are driving the podcast. It's not me. Like I've never, besides, you know, companies, you know, like I think I'm doing the Omnipod CEO. I think she, mm-hmm. and I are, she and I are talking next week besides companies. And it's like sometimes famous people and stuff like that. Everyone you hear on this podcast reaches out to me. I don't reach out to them. So it's it you guys are perpetuating your own care in a really interesting way. You, you know, all we, I do is answer the email and say that'd be great and then we do what you and I just did. I I have we, almost the smallest part in this. We we probably mentioned your podcast uh to uh, uh probably several dozen people uh, about uh 2 months ago, maybe a month and a half ago. We were at a, a diabetes conference in Orlando. Mm. And uh you know, there was a lot of um um newly diagnosed diabetics there and you know we we kind of hinted around with well you know it's important to get a good endo it's important to you know be good with insulin and yeah yeah pumps important everything but you're going to want to listen to this guy because he just explains it better oh i appreciate you know that is my only superpower i explain better (laughs) can you imagine in the justice league that's my power (laughs) Hey, you know, you might might keep them getting into a lot of the trouble that they started out in. (laughs) Thanks so much, Justin, for coming on and sharing your perspective. And thank you, Mandy, for allowing Justin to talk about your diabetes on the podcast. Thank you also to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring the show. Links in your show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com, or you type in myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Now the music's going to stop, but I'm going to keep talking. I really want to thank you guys again for sharing the podcast. Also, the ratings and reviews on iTunes continue to pile up, which I really appreciate, but the sharing is what spreads it out. And I thought you might be interested to know where the podcast was heard just in the last couple of months. So I'm going to list off some countries, U.S. and Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, Spain, Ireland, Sweden, Germany, Switzerland, Portugal, Norway, France, the Netherlands, China, Japan, United Arab Emirates, Denmark, Iran, South Africa, Austria, New Zealand, India, Singapore, Mexico, Lebanon, the Ukraine, Saudi Arabia, Italy, Greece, Argentina, Kuwait, Israel, Indonesia, Belgium, Egypt, Russia, Peru, Aruba, Romania, Bangladesh, the Philippines, Pakistan, Turkey, Puerto Rico, Korea, Costa Rica, Poland, Guatemala, Croatia, the Cayman Islands, Bulgaria, Europe, the Czech Republic, Kenya, Qatar, the Dominican Republic, Serbia, Vietnam, Belarus, Panama, Zimbabwe, Iceland, Slovenia, Georgia, Slovakia, Armenia, Gibraltar, Finland, and Oman. So the next time you feel like you're alone, just remember that there are people all over this planet listening to this podcast just like you living with type 1 diabetes.